Hello, it's Tori. Welcome back to episode 10 of It's Not That Weird. <laughs> what? You're single. Yeah. Why is that? You're adorable. <laughs> You're entertaining for sure. You can also be a bitch. <laughs> I was actually really hoping to make Jay cry. Tell uh, me about your dead father. <laughs> oh, this is all I could have ever dreamed of. And yeah, I'm not judging. It's I'm gross. Just saying. It's weird. They didn't traumatize you? You don't talk about they that? They definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ask me that. <laughs> it's not that weird. I hope y'all are having a great first couple days of June. It's great. I don't know what else to say. I'm just going to get right into introducing this next guest because what a treat this girl is. What an absolute light on this planet. We had a mutual connection that kind of told me a little bit about her story and I was like, yeah, I would love to interview this girl. She sounds fantastic and she was fantastic. This interview is uh, very uplifting. It's a little more serious because we were talking about her battle with cancer and uh, I just, I mean, prepare for some emotions because, yeah, she's got a beautiful story that she tells so positively and, like, with so much hope and love and appreciation and um, things that I didn't think were possible when you were battling something such as cancer so young. And, uh, yeah, um, she's going to tell it. And I will say she does talk about the importance of checking yourself and, uh, you know, just really prioritizing your health and such and just being aware. So um, I did check out breastcancer.org and I found a link for a breast self-exam, uh, kind of like explanation. There's five steps, um, something that everybody should do. So I'm going to leave that in the show notes. And yeah, please, please check it out. Please take it seriously. So yes, without further ado, let me introduce you to a lovely woman. She's a dental hygienist. She's a wife with an incredible husband who she'll talk about. And she is a breast cancer survivor. Please help me welcome Tanya Jacobs. Glittery dust on the hardwood floor Solo cups from the night before Made a mess that we never cleaned Hopped on the train and we left the city Hit a few stops, yeah we made our rounds Heading up north, getting out of town Running every red light we see No, it's not too safe, but they do it in movies I feel adrenaline kicking is powering from within I know that this ain't safe But we never played it safe So just inch a little bit closer Not too far We're gonna drive over in the lake Past the interstate It's too late to play it safe And yeah, we are good Okay, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. I'm so good. I'm happy to have you here. I have talked about you a lot, and I'd never met you until now, so it's great to meet you. It's such an honor, like, just to know that my story's out there, but it's touching people, and Mm -hmm. it means a lot. That's why I want people to know about it, so that not only can I kind of share my journey and what I've been through, but I hope that in the way that it, it changed my life, I can share my story and maybe change someone else's life. Yeah. Okay. So we'll we'll start there then, um, because your story, the story that you're referring to. So you had cancer. I did. So our mutual connection told me about it, but even when she was trying to kind of like translate how big it was and how like terrifying and, and very scary and very serious it was, it's yeah. still like 
obviously you can't really grasp it until you meet you. So um, I guess the first thing that we can start with is um, what's the exact diagnosis and what have you gone through within the past two years? Or is it two years or three years? Uh, I've been cancer free for two years now. Okay. So I was diagnosed March the 31st, 2020 with stage one breast cancer at Mm -hmm. 27 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went through 16 rounds of chemotherapy over 22 weeks. I did a double mastectomy. And um, ever since the double mastectomy at the end of September of 2020, I've been basically in remission is what it's called. Yeah. Um, they're not supposed to say that you're in remission until it's been five years after the cancer. But mm. they were fairly confident that they had removed most of the tumor mm-hmm. and any of the cancer cells. Um, they took out a few of my lymph nodes, just sentinel lymph nodes, which are the smaller lymph nodes under your armpit. Okay. And we were waiting for the results after my double mastectomy to know if there was cancer in my lymph nodes. And hmm. those came back negative. So that was basically the big news that I was waiting for because that meant I was free of cancer finally. Yeah. Which finally, like, <laughs> I went through it for nine months. Some people go through it for years. So yeah. really I can't complain. Like I'm so lucky. I think you can complain, but <laughs> I, if I were you, I'd be complaining. But I, I understand. Um, so the lymph nodes, I mean, if you do have cancer in your lymph nodes, that's that not that like that and then it's everywhere kind of there's a thing? chance that it can travel quicker yeah so i think maybe i should start with how this was even on my radar to yeah be yeah i know this is an interesting story yeah yeah i think it's like the biggest mind-blowing part of the whole story mm-hmm. and i've listened to your past podcasts <laughs> and i think you refer to these people as your your soul people yeah and i met my soul person mm-hmm. In dental hygiene school here in Windsor at St. Clair College, mm-hmm. um, my friend moved from London mm-hmm. to take the program in 2011 is when we went to school. And to be honest, the girl intimidated me. She <laughs> was she was gingery, red, fiery hair, was not afraid to tell you how it was. Eccentric, yeah. Yeah, so eccentric and so herself and not afraid to be herself. Just mm-hmm. very confident and that intimidated me and... We just ended up clicking and becoming best friends. And by the end of our program, um, right after we graduated, she had found a lump. September rolled around. She had it looked at, and they diagnosed her with stage 2 breast cancer. Wow. She did a few rounds of chemotherapy, and then after a couple months, she did another scan, and we found out that the cancer had went metastatic, which means that the cancer went into her lymph nodes Mm. and was spreading to her larger organs. So they saw tumors on her liver, on her kidney, on her lungs, and her bone. So that was basically when we learned that this was going to take her life, and it was just a matter of time. So Jessica made it her whole legacy to just enjoy the time that she had left Mm -hmm. she got married to her high school sweetheart and she just traveled as much as she could and made memories with her friends and her family and she actually passed away on an airplane on her way home from a cruise wow yeah that's kind of why I was checking myself for breast cancer to begin with because my friend had been so close to me and she was young too she was diagnosed at 24 so that was just on my radar because yeah. once you're traumatized like that and go through that with a friend you become that much more aware like oh my god that could happen to me right? yeah it's mo- so much more real yeah mm-hmm. 
So that's basically what made me be like, okay, I really need to be checking myself. But apparently (laughs) I wasn't doing it good enough because I wasn't even the one that found it. My husband was the one that found it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where I, what I've heard of. So, yeah. So what had happened when he discovered? So... I had actually never asked him to check my chest before for mm-hmm. tumors, but something in me was just, hey, why don't you check me? See if you can find anything. Mm-hmm. So we were just relaxing in our, our bedroom, kind of hanging out, and I was checking myself and looked over at him. Hey, you want to see if you can find anything? And within seconds of him like using his two fingers, which is in medical terms, you're supposed to palpate yeah, with yeah. your digital fingers like that. So that's how he did it. And within seconds, he felt... How I would describe it is a frozen pea or a small marble underneath the tissue. Hmm. And he, it was at like the two o'clock region on my right breast. And he said, I've never felt that before. Is that something new? And sure enough, yeah, it's something <laughs> new. Like I have never noticed that before. Mm-hmm. So for two months I sat on it and wished and hoped and prayed that it would just disappear, mm-hmm. which obviously didn't happen. But <laughs> Everybody wow. kind of told me maybe it's just a cyst. Yeah. You never know. Like, it's yeah. probably nothing. And I think denial in me wanted to just go with that and say, yeah, sure, it's probably it's just a cyst. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what you want to rationalize. That Absolutely. It's, yeah. Mm, wow. So, yeah. yeah, your husband was the one who discovered this, and thank God he did, of course. Yeah. And I know that uh, in women, too, like with your hormones and everything, you can have weird feelings and stuff in your breasts all the time. I've, I feel like I've done where I'm like, is that normal? And I, my mom's a nurse, and, and yeah. for the most part, you know, we're all good, but it, there can be like indications that yeah. something's wrong without something being Especially wrong. Especially for young women like us, yeah. we're known to have. Um, nodules and and firm areas which to us frightens us because that's what we associate with cancer so I think it's good that we're kind of on top of it but I also think that we need to like tell all our friends tell anyone that we know like don't be afraid to check yourself or if you feel like maybe this could be something go get it checked out like even if it's nothing just go yeah it's better to yeah look into it than to not look into it yeah that's terrifying stuff so after you your husband had discovered this and then you had really hoped for the months that that wasn't what was happening what when did you go and actually get it diagnosed so I'm a dental hygienist Mm -hmm. and um, at our clinic we have TVs over our patient's head Mm -hmm. so the news is on a fair amount of time while the patient (laughs) is in the chair and the pandemic really was starting to become real Mm -hmm. and I just had a feeling that something in the world was gonna happen I didn't want to put myself in a situation where I could have caught it early. So I actually broke down to my coworkers mm-hmm. on lunch and I just said, I'm not taking care of myself. I need to get something looked at. I'm working too much. Yeah. I don't have the time, but like I need to make the time to go get this looked at. And they basically scolded me and were like, <laughs> what the heck are you doing? Like go talk to my boss and um, explain to him what's happening. He will completely understand and give you tomorrow afternoon yeah, off. To get things figured out. Yeah. Yeah. And sure enough, I went into his office and he was more than understanding. (laughs) And the next day he said, absolutely. So I actually went to a walk-in clinic that afternoon, which miraculously was the last day that we, the entire province worked before we were all shut down because of the pandemic. Yeah. So it was a webcam doctor. 
Oh, okay. And there was a nurse there. She palpated the tumor just to say that she felt it. And then I talked to a doctor on a webcam (laughs) and she just said, it's probably just a cyst, but I'm going to send you for an ultrasound and a biopsy just to be safe. So that was the next week I had the ultrasound, terrified because now everybody's starting to wear masks and gloves and sanitize and all of this stuff starts happening. So. That was probably the most nerve-wracking part of it all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No one knew what was going on. And then I went for the biopsy, and then my family doctor called a week after my biopsy to say, I see that you've been sent for an ultrasound and a biopsy. You have a lump. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Tanya, but it it tested positive for breast cancer. Oh, my. I don't think he was expecting that. I haven't seen him, actually, in quite a few years. I had been going to walk-in clinics and stuff like that. So he had no idea that this was even going on. Sure. And obviously didn't know about your friend and and the concerns that you just had in general. So. Wow, that's brutal. So a biopsy, is that's like where they cut a little bit out, right? And yeah. send it away? Yeah, so they take a needle and they basically uh. grab a piece of it and take it out of you and then they send it away mm-hmm. to see if it comes back as benign or malignant. And it was malignant, yeah. which means it's cancerous. That's so... <laughs> What do you do in the time in between, like waiting for these results, especially because you had just gone through this with your friend, so you you knew what it, were you? There's a, a lot wreck? of thoughts coming <laughs> on in my head, especially because I knew, I knew what I was in for. I, I, a lot of people say when they get diagnosed with cancer, they felt like why me, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel that way, and I think that's because of Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, I never understood why Jess, so why would I think to myself why me? Yeah. But now I live with survivor's guilt because why me that I got to live and she didn't. Yeah. So the survivor's guilt and the the why me and this stuff like that and also being that you had just had somebody so close to you go through something, you know, and and the worst case kind of come out of it. um, Did you like, I, I don't know, I would be so incredibly pessimistic towards the world and just angry. And yeah, I mean... I've only known you for a few short minutes, but also just from what I hear, everybody says you're incredibly positive and um, very ambitious and such. So uh, was it like that even then? Or did you go through a period of like real grief or? Um, Honestly, like any day that I got to live after my diagnosis was a blessing. Mm. I think because of Jess, she Mm. doesn't get to be here. And knowing that like I get to wake up every single day is honestly the biggest blessing that I could ever ask for so any day that I wake up is I'm grateful I don't care like (laughs) I just I'm so happy to be here and I know that Jess would do anything to still be here yeah so I try and keep that in the back of my mind pretty pretty frequently yeah I mean that is I guess such a good motivator essentially to to have somebody so close to you not win the battle, I guess we'll say. Mm -hmm. And to, yeah, that's, I mean, that's beautiful. So do you believe that things happen for a reason, that this all kind of worked out for a a bigger purpose? I don't like to say it that way, but (laughs) yes, a million percent. um, I never used to be the type of person to believe that things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. I was very skeptical and... (laughs) Jess was not. Um, (laughs) Jess was very superstitious, and she actually told me before she passed away if she could make me aware 
that she is here with me after mm-hmm. she passes away that she would do that and I truly feel that she has done that in a few different ways. Really? Yeah. You can, I mean, if you're comfortable telling me, how do you feel that she's made um, herself here? How does she make you known? Yeah. Um, So when my husband and I got married, Mm -hmm. Jess was supposed to stand in the wedding. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, she passed before she could stand. And one of my bridesmaids, to honor her, walked down the aisle with a set of metal angel wings to honor her Mm. and say this is Jess Mm -hmm. and the officiant before we said our vows said uh, we'd like to take a moment of silence for Jessica and as soon as she said that the angel wings actually flew off the table whoa yeah wow yeah (laughs) Yeah, so very, very <laughs> suspicious. I, I wasn't a believer, but yeah. So were all your guests just like, whoa? <laughs> yeah, I had a, a private ceremony. So it was a, a small room of people, but mm-hmm. it's on video and it's very clear wow. what we all felt. And uh, it was a very powerful moment. <laughs> and her whole family was at my wedding. So oh. yeah, <laughs> that it was so beautiful. Pretty special. Oh, that's mm-hmm. amazing. And do you feel kind of like day to day sometimes you just feel like she's here she pops in yeah it's beautiful I, I love you. that I love that you had that friendship so special it's beautiful so your husband found your cancer um so what did you say the procedures that you've had are again so I did 16 rounds of chemotherapy mm-hmm. over a course of 22 weeks mm-hmm. and then I had a double mastectomy so that's where they remove all of the breast tissue And I actually had expanders, so they expanded the breast tissue a little bit more. If Mm -hmm. I would have had a direct implant placement, my breasts would have been smaller. Cancer was enough, so (laughs) no thank you. (laughs) Bumped me up a size, so they bumped me up a size, and now I have implants. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's... I mean, great. So I was looking at your Instagram before you came in, actually, and I saw the post uh, about the bathing suits with the that style that has the slit underneath them, mm-hmm. like a little like open space and then more bathing suit, I guess. And it perfectly matches up with where your scars are, right? Yeah, yeah that's amazing. And I was looking and I, I said, I know she had a mastectomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I said, like, she still has, you know, breast though so I that makes a lot of sense yeah <laughs> I was really they're curious. not real <laughs> yeah no I've never I, I like talked to somebody who has actually had breast cancer actually you know what my old eyelash tech used to um or she did at one point but way before I ever uh knew her she's like I'm going as big as I can she yeah. said if you're taking what I got I'm taking advantage of yeah, it yeah yeah for she, sure she got great boobs <laughs> she, really <does. laughs> she really does so um now did you also have a hysterectomy or you're going to have a hysterectomy, have a hysterectomy. Yeah. yeah okay so why are you doing the hysterectomy as well So right now I'm on hormone therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I take a pill orally every day. And then once a month I get pretty large gauge shot in my stomach to shut down my ovaries. And that helps the cancer from returning. So Mm -hmm. lowers my risk of um, cancer returning because my cancer is caused from my estrogen Mm -hmm. and progesterone hormones. Yeah. Those medications that I'm taking are helping to suppress those hormones in my body. Gotcha. Okay. So I'm on these medications for five years. Mm. It's been one, so four more years. And then they recommend a hysterectomy around 35-ish. Okay. Um, That's because I am BRCA1 positive, which leaves me susceptible to not only breast cancer, but ovarian cancer as well. Gotcha. Okay. That is crazy to imagine somebody as young as you are Mm. getting a full-blown hysterectomy because... I know, 
if you are willingly getting it or, or for any other reason, it can be yeah. incredibly difficult to, to get it done. Yeah. I keep asking for one. <laughs> <laughs> but I know this. I just, you know, I'm very selfish. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. You just know what you want. <laughs> oh, I really do. And uh, so along those lines, uh, you're going to get a hysterectomy. So was part of the reason why they they recommend like a waiting period to see if you will want to have children? Um. Kind of, but not really. Uh, I think more just concerned about the cancer coming back. Got you. Um, when you're pregnant, a lot of hormones are going through your body, yeah. so that's something that could trigger the cancer to come back. Mm. Uh, however, my oncologist does seem fairly optimistic that if my husband and I ever did want to try, um, she said we could perhaps stop the hormone therapy a couple years early, try, if no luck, then get the hysterectomy or have luck and then get the hysterectomy that's again where I feel very lucky my husband and I have been of the opinion that we don't want children for quite a few years we've been together for like 14 years oh wow yeah no thanks yeah it's just not in our plans we could always change our mind you never know but and there's also options out there there's so many options there's so many children that need love and care and a home like I get wanting to create your own child but um even when I had to go through the chemotherapy, they asked, do you want to retrieve your eggs? Mm -hmm. It was at the beginning of the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. we were shut down here. No one was willing to open up their fertility clinics. So they were like, well, you're going to have to go to Bramford. And I was like, no, like, honestly, I don't even want children to begin with. Why am I going to do that to myself? Like, let me just put myself first and make sure that I'm healthy and okay. Yeah. And then if at the end of all of this, me and my husband want to revisit that idea, so be it. We'll mm-hmm. cross that bridge once we get to it. That that sounds like the absolute right mindset. I'm yeah. not saying there's a wrong mindset, but I know that absolutely makes so much sense to me. That and I think a lot of people prioritize this family, procreating, having children. <laughs> like I get it's a beautiful thing, but it's not for everyone. Oh, <laughs> preach, <laughs> preach. And it, that's a hard thing. Um, cancer aside, but that's a hard thing to say when you're below the age of 35 that you don't want kids and for people to believe you you know and and sure things change and whatnot but if I don't know if there's any other decision that somebody makes like oh I don't want to go into I don't know psychology nobody's gonna say you might change your mind probably should or you're gonna regret that or or but I'll be upset if you don't give me like oh come on (laughs) and truly I feel like people pushing their opinions on me in past years it's pushed me to not want to have children yeah. even more just to be like oh yeah yeah let me show watch you me. yeah <laughs> watch exactly. me not do it yeah I'm Good a very you. stubborn person <laughs> well clearly being cancer and all that stuff jeez okay and may I ask because I'm I'm genuinely curious and actually when I talked to the sex therapist Amanda on the podcast I don't know if you heard that episode but she was talking towards the end about how not enough doctors divulge all of the information on the sexual repercussions of certain medications, procedures, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm imagining when you're dealing with hormones and hysterectomies and and all of that kind of stuff, there's got to be a major change there, right? Well, yeah. When you're young, things are like on fire. And then when (laughs) this happens to you, things are no longer on fire and you feel like you're an (laughs) 80-year-old, which is okay. I mean, I have the best husband in the world Mm -hmm. and he loves me no matter what, but it definitely can get difficult. And mm-hmm. not only in regards to sex, but our marriage as a whole was really challenged during that entire process. Yeah. And um, yeah, we we definitely have had to 
learn how to communicate mm-hmm. and um, get through some challenges, but if anything, it's just made us stronger and better than ever. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm so happy that you have that. You hear horror stories of people going through like terrible medical things with no, you know, supportive partner or being left yeah. for something like that. The amount of people that I've met that go through divorces mm-hmm. while they're going through this, I get it mm-hmm. because like we just talked about, our hormones are raging and we're not the same people that we normally are. And it's hard when your spouse or your partner just doesn't get you or you start to resent each other. And it's hard. Don't get me wrong. Cancer sucks. (laughs) But you need someone who's going to build you up and not make your situation worse. So that was a big thing for me is I needed to make sure during my, my cancer journey that anyone around me had to be positive and we're not dwelling yeah Yeah, we're not dwelling we're not gonna yes it sucks but like let's move on this is life yeah good for you let's just keep going the way that I look for pity when I like (laughs) have a cold (laughs) man when I had COVID the way I talked about it you would have thought that I was going through a war. <laughs> no, no, I, I, that's amazing. And that's, I mean, I understand why people say you're such an inspiration because that truly is the, that kind of mindset to not dwell and to not say, poor me, why me? Oh my. But it doesn't just come from me. Like it didn't just come from me. I really honestly give credit to the people that surround me. Yeah. And I have to say it, Jess is like a big reason yeah. for like my outlook and my perspective and the positivity. It stems from her. Yeah. So she she deserves a lot of the credit. <laughs> well, that's beautiful that you would say that. Um, so speaking of support system, I heard that you have a very complex relationship with your mom. No, I do. And I'm more than willing to talk about okay. it. I'm okay, happy great. to talk about it. So do you want to maybe explain a little bit why it's not, you know, a straight up mother-daughter support kind of sure. relationship, yeah. if you don't mind? <laughs> yeah. So uh, my parents decided to get a divorce when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And around that time, my brothers both moved out of the house. And so are you I the youngest? stayed with my mom. I'm the youngest. Okay. I have two older brothers. Mm-hmm. And so my two older brothers left. And uh, my mom and I were butting heads a lot. Um, she turned to alcohol to kind of cope with the divorce and it just made my whole living situation very toxic Mm -hmm. and unhealthy and I knew I had to get out so I did Mm -hmm. and after I moved out I moved in with my dad and I tried to continue a relationship with my mom but it was like it was not good I tried and I tried and it just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere Mm -hmm. and nothing was changing and things were happening with my brothers and it was just lots of drama lots of animosity that I came to a point in my life I was in therapy and my therapist said to me when are you gonna do what's best for you Mm -hmm. and that's pretty much when I decided like maybe as much as it hurts I need to just get her out of my life for a little while and it was undoubtedly the hardest decision I've ever made imagine my mom like how do you shut your mom out of your life yeah but looking back I had to do what I had to do Mm -hmm. um and we didn't talk for quite a few years I I would say it's about six to eight years we didn't talk solidly and then in between that there was a little bit of talking trying to communicate but just not getting anywhere and then was she drinking still continuously that you know of yeah got you yeah 
Yeah. We would go to like family weddings and she would do things that would embarrass us. Sure. And it was like, okay, like it, it was just not something that we were proud of, obviously. Sure, we were yeah. disappointed. Yeah. And this past year, I revisited the idea of going to therapy with my mom and Mm. after pushing and pushing and pushing she finally said send me the intake forms and I will go with you and we've actually been going for six months and she's been paying for all the therapy sessions and still a work in progress (laughs) but um, I'm super proud of her Um, she doesn't seem to be drinking the way that she used to okay um one thing that we really bond on is gardening we love Mm. to like be in the garden and she's very very smart when it comes to horticulture and Mm. plants so that's something that we've really been able to kind of bond on Mm -hmm. and like bring us closer together common ground yeah 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 so I mean it's not perfect by any means but it's better than not having her in my life at all and it's definitely just made me feel more whole having her back in my life yeah and the therapist has been able to kind of steer her in a more positive direction yeah she's still kind of working on it (laughs) I mean no one's perfect but (laughs) either am I I'm learning lots about myself and how I communicate so the therapy is great for both of us to be honest I love therapy I love therapy it's great like I I wish more people did uh, right? There should not be any shame about therapy. No, I tell people, a lot of men, I tell a lot of men around me, I'm like, you should do therapy. And they they always think it's like a read. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I think everybody should do therapy. Yeah. But I also think men a little bit more in particular. But, yeah. But well, I if anyone tells you that they don't suffer from any mental health yeah. issues, they're lying to you. Yeah. Or even like... We're in 2022. Right? Come on, people. Their <laughs> cognitive processing. Sometimes like somebody will... Some, say something and I'm like why do you think like that and I'm like oh my, why do I think like this we should go to therapy <laughs> not together but that, I honestly didn't know that you could kind of orchestrate therapy with a parent mm-hmm. I don't I mean I know you could do like couples counseling or yeah. I guess family counseling well I guess that would fall under family wouldn't yeah. it so when you say she holds on to a lot of animosity is it stuff like like the divorce or is it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's usually related to my dad or just feeling like she was shortchanged in the whole thing and neither of them are innocent they both (laughs) made their mistakes Mm -hmm. no one's perfect but at the end of the day the marriage didn't work out and it's time to move on sounds like it was a long time ago too right yeah it was 12 years ago wow so while you were going through your cancer treatment was she around at all or wow no so I had written a letter to my mom right before I was diagnosed trying to get her to agree to counseling to therapy Mm -hmm. and um she actually according to my brother didn't read the the note until the day she found out that i had been diagnosed with breast cancer wow and she did try to reach out to me after reading it but i i pretty much said to her this isn't the time yeah and i really just need to focus on myself right now and didn't really let her in I kind of just built up a wall and yeah left her out until I was ready to revisit that and to be honest after my cancer I truly felt like you weren't there for me when I needed you the most yeah but that was also me that decided to do that sure yeah and I know that if I would have allowed her to she would have been there so I have to take part of that blame Mm -hmm. and remember that's what I wanted yeah and um 
This Sunday is actually the lockout cancer ceremony for this year's ambassadors. I was an ambassador last year and they asked me to come this year just because the pandemic, I didn't get to do any of that. Mm -hmm. So my mom was not invited to my wedding, nor was she with me during any of my my cancer journey. So I asked her to come with me to the ceremony on Sunday and that seemed Mm. to like really make her happy. So that's very kind of you. Yeah, I'm happy to kind of an, include her in, in parts of my life like that yeah. right now. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm sure it feels monumental to her too and yeah. will be hopefully very healing for her as well. Cause yeah, the way she says it, she says, now that we're talking, she, she says, I have a pep in my step. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, I'm glad <laughs> that you have that kind of almost like reconnection in a way and, and I fully I, I mean, you were you said you were 15 years old when they got divorced and she started drinking. I couldn't imagine trying to rationalize such scary adult behavior so mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you, when you were going through something hard, could say, you know, I got to keep you at arm's length or whatever. Yeah. Right now, that's it sounds very, very brave, to be to honest. To be honest, I, I didn't know it was an option. I didn't know that shutting my mother out was ever something that I could do. But once the therapist kind of, brought it up to me and the idea crossed my mind I was like you know what that might be for the best yeah because it was it was like a cyclical thing it just nothing was changing everything was the same it was the same conversation over and over again yeah and the same feeling of hopelessness and obviously you were very young too so that's that's a terrible thing I have a sister who is um or was I can't really say anymore an addict and it was a very it was very difficult to keep coming back more so than it was to just cut her out completely yeah it was and that that was a tough realization because I was maybe only 18 when all of that happened but I was starting to get to an age where she was ready to start putting her stuff on me wait she was getting too comfortable Mm -hmm. putting that kind of stuff on me and um so when I said you can do that but I can also make the adult decision to stop this now it has been I'm I'm gonna guess incredibly healing well for me and I would like to think for her too because from what I understand now she's quite happy and and quite put together and I know those kind of people who do look for the opportunity to dump you know like to to push it away into uh what's that called um project I guess yes um which is something that I think that if we were to have a relationship again it would have to be something that I I would have an eye on it all the time you know sure but it's Again, it's it. Sometimes it's like the space and the. It's what you need. You have to do what's best for you. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, who are you living for? Everybody yeah. else or yourself? That's true. And you had a, a lot of extra work to be doing <laughs> in life there for a while. Yeah. So, so your therapy that you do, I love talking therapy. You see an actual therapist. Yes. Okay. And do they specialize in any of the things that you kind of? She's need? a child and family therapist. Okay. Um. So that's. I actually have a few. So that's me and my mom's therapist. Mm -hmm. And then I had actually a social worker that I was given while I was going through my cancer journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I pretty much get her until they release me from the oncology center. Mm -hmm. I haven't had to rely on her, but she was amazing during my cancer journey. And then me and my husband actually... uh, we're doing a little bit of marriage counseling a few few months back. Mm-hmm. So I do a little bit of therapy and everywhere. <laughs> my life. With everybody. That's <laughs> Myself, amazing. With all my relationships. Yeah. And yeah. so you do the marriage counseling, I'm guessing, like for general maintenance, upkeep yep. kind of stuff. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think so many people, so many couples should do couples counseling 
not just when it's like last case. No. Ugh. No. Oh my gosh. Good for you. Yeah. That's amazing for after, both of you. After what we had just gone through, it yeah. was like we need something to just help support us after what we both went through because yeah. it wasn't just me going through cancer yeah he was he took care of me he yeah. was my nurse he, he was, was a partner he yeah. was everything he was my support system he god bless the man <laughs> <laughs> god bless him you found a good one right oh, i know oh, that's amazing so <laughs> out of your three branches of therapy i guess we'll call it <laughs> yeah. do you have a favorite <laughs> Hmm. No, they're all kind of different in their own way. Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, they probably are very different. Yeah, I mean, the marriage and the family is obviously great for learning how to better communicate mm-hmm. and just like resolving conflicts and just finding better ways to to be with other people. But yeah, I'm someone who always likes learning about like the mindset and yeah. like uh, the brain, and I, I love learning like self-help and so to be honest I like my my own personal therapy working on myself because at the end of the day there's always stuff to work on there's always something new to learn Mm -hmm. and we're all work in progress yeah no it's a lifelong practice self-improvement it really is and yeah yeah, that's something that I've learned recently as well is that yeah this is not something you're gonna do one session and then get better be done yeah no no, it's it's a it's upkeep you might do it a little bit and then like fall off the wagon it's like flossing and then you get back to it (laughs) just so you know dental hygienist I am an excellent flosser a girl that's what I like to hear (laughs) and that's like one of the things that I think I bring to the table (laughs) make it known I do I really do I said I've flossed you it's a deal breaker Um, for you then it it kind of is and I can tell when people don't <laughs> oh, I love it. It's more common than you think. That's amazing. So, I mean, let's talk about your husband for a little bit then. Why not? Sure. He deserves a little spotlight. Yeah. So, absolutely. how did you meet him? So, um, Josh was my high school best friend. <laughs> uh, we met in grade nine and we were just best friends. Hmm. We told each other everything. We had sleepovers. We'd watch Hannah Montana. Oh. We were losers. And That's so pure. Yeah. Um, he apparently liked me all throughout high school, and I didn't know. Oh, come on. And this then in grade movie. 12, oh my gosh. <laughs> he basically confessed to like being in love with me all throughout high school. <laughs> and I was like dating all the older boys in high school Ooh. and never really wanted to like give him a shot. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to ruin our friendship. Mm-hmm. So I turned him down, and he started dating like an older girl, and I didn't like that. <laughs> you kind of realized. I made that known, and. Uh, <laughs> I realized what I was about to lose, and oh. uh, we went on our grade 12 trip, and he actually ended up hooking up with me, Ooh. cheated on his girlfriend <gasps> to be with me, <laughs> and uh, when we got home, it was like prom, and he asked my prom date to take me, and then my prom date took his ex-girlfriend oh to prom. <laughs> That's amazing. And we've been together ever since. Oh, my God. <laughs> That is a movie. That is literally a movie. I feel like my whole life should be a movie. Oh my! To be you, I'm gonna pitch. I'm gonna send this over to HBO or something. We're gonna get this going because oh my god! Yeah, that's amazing. Pretty crazy. And you said 14 years. Yep. Oh my gosh! Wow. Good for I you mean, guys. I we've, mean, we've known each other for 14 years. We've been together for 12. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Good for you guys. He sounds awesome. He's, I'm so happy he's for great. you. He's my best friend, honestly. He, he's so smart. He's so funny. He, he's great. I'm Good. very, very lucky. Good. Very lucky. Good. You, I, sounds like a blessing. He sounds awesome. He's also a really good cook. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> that will do it. I love that. Okay, so 
going through cancer treatment, finding out that you have cancer in a pandemic, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you can't really compare it to out of a pandemic, but how, really. <laughs> how do you feel it was different? Well, I couldn't bring anyone in with me oh. for any of my appointments. Or any of your like chemo treatments or anything Nothing. like that? I was wow. by myself for everything. Oh my. Um, the first time I met my oncologist, it was on webcam, which is kind of cool because I was in my living room. <laughs> But um, just obviously not ideal. Yeah. Just very, very strange. Yeah. Such a weird time to be going through something so scary. Because it, it was scary on top of scary. Yeah. So it was very, very frightening. A very anxious, nervous time for me. Yeah. But I was going through it with everyone else, right? Yeah. So I just tried to make the best of it. Like I said, I have the best support system. I was very lucky to have people kind of rally around me, even mm-hmm. though we couldn't physically yeah. <laughs> be around each other. And um, that's pretty much what got me through. Yeah. Even Jess's sister, like she drove mm-hmm. down from London right before I started chemotherapy mm-hmm. and gave me stuff that Jess wore while she was going through her <laughs> cancer treatment. And just uh, <laughs> like friends of Jessica's from London sent me purses and stuff to bring to chemo and just having like her friends and family rally for me too it was just unreal yeah so so grateful yeah that's beautiful it's it's crazy how much sometimes such negative things can can bring people together yeah such positivity yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and so do you feel like you have like a community maybe of like other survivors or yeah sure yeah okay we'll talk about your instagram and such shortly okay um but sure let's do these uh quick questions because i'm curious about this stuff are you i know you had said that you know you're starting to believe things happen for a reason and stuff like that but do you consider yourself to be like spiritual or religious at all yeah or? i'm pretty spiritual i'm yeah. not very religious but mm-hmm. i definitely believe in like the spiritual world mm-hmm. and um i'm big into energies auras, auras yeah. and yeah 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 i gotcha. do yoga every day oh. i i like to meditate me too so yeah yeah, amazing. And so do you believe, this is a fun question, and you don't have to feel like you have to say yes to this, because some people do, but do you believe in, like, astrology and stuff like that? And maybe yes. like the, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. I do. Okay, cool. What's your sign? I'm a Taurus. Mm, very cool. Very cool. What are you? I'm a Virgo. Okay. Yeah, Virgo, September 11th. Nobody forgets it. <laughs> okay, do you consider yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert? Ooh, I'm a little bit of both, but mm-hmm. I definitely am more of an introvert. I mm-hmm. love my alone time. I love to be by myself. I'm very independent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd much rather be by myself than mm-hmm. like with other people. Yeah. <laughs> I No, I get that. I get that. Sometimes it can be so draining. Yes. <laughs> yeah. When you're, yeah, I understand that. Taking on other people's energies, like even just being a dental hygienist or in the dental world, you you realize how much you take on other people's anxieties. And I'm a very empathetic person. Mm -hmm. So like I, I feel what everyone else is feeling. Sure. So it can get heavy, like to carry that around for sure. I believe that. I really do. I feel like I talk so much with dental hygienists when I go in, yeah. which I know is hard because, you know, you're all in the mouth and stuff. Yeah. But um, I feel like I'm telling, like, it's almost like I'm at, like, the nail salon. Yeah. Like, I'm telling people business that. <laughs> but it's hard to gauge, though, because, like, you don't know if the person wants to talk a lot or, like, yeah. 
if they don't want to talk a yeah. lot. So Especially like, when I, you're working all in there. I am like tiptoe around it. And if they keep talking, I'm like, okay, this one's a talker. We're going to keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's amazing. And do you talk like openly with everybody about like your cancer and not such? everyone uh, I have like a select few patients that I will share my journey with and yeah. it's actually been really um, nice to see people being very grateful that I'm willing to share that with them yeah. like people that I do tell my story to will be like thank you so much for telling me this yeah and to have that kind of reaction it's like Wow, like you're grateful to hear it. Like that's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's honestly the kind of premise of the podcast is like it's nice to I find it very therapeutic to hear about it sounds like bad, but people's problems are like these these big things that they're going through or they have gone through or their childhoods it's or their true. this or that. I find it very healing yeah. for some reason because it just like it's just showcasing how much we're all we all got our stuff, you know? We've like, all got a story to tell. Yeah, mm-hmm. we absolutely do. And that's why that's why we're talking about how nothing's really that weird. It's only weird <laughs> if you make it weird. Yeah, absolutely. That's my favorite favorite thing to say to people. It's only weird if you make it weird. Yeah. So, cancer, you want to make it weird? weird. <laughs> cancer's not that weird. You're weird. Yeah, don't, be, don't be weird about it. It won't be weird. Okay, so we'll use this opportunity then. We'll, we'll jump off from here. So you have an Instagram page specifically that I have seen at least. Um that seems to be dedicated to uh, your cancer journey and uplifting people and being very positive and very candid too. So um, do you want to plug that a little bit and kind of explain what what it is better than I can? Yeah, sure. (laughs) So um, when I was first diagnosed, I basically had in my mind two choices. Mm -hmm. It was either um, use the pandemic to my advantage (laughs) and hide Mm -hmm. and not tell anyone what I was going through, Mm -hmm. keep it my own secret, lose all my hair and deal with it in a corner by myself. Mm. Or do I spin it and try and make it a positive experience, share with people what I'm going through Mm -hmm. and maybe try and help someone. And that's what made me make my Instagram relentlessly resilient. Mm -hmm. I knew right from the beginning, I didn't only want to share my breast cancer journey but like you said I share a little bit of my relationship with my mom mm-hmm. I also share a little bit about my family background with cancer mm-hmm. um, and it, it, I try to be as uplifting as I can I share a lot about Jessica and just a lot about my story mm-hmm. in hopes that someone anyone around the world will read it and either learn something become impacted or just find it somewhat positive yeah because as we know, social media can be kind of a toxic place <laughs> it to be. It can tear people apart. So when you find these pockets of, yeah. you know, these profiles where it's all about unity and, and being open and sharing, you yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah, it makes yeah. you kind of be grateful to be part of social media. And definitely yeah. there's pros and cons to everything. Yeah. But in regards to social media and being part of the cancer community, having social media saved me like it just brings you close to people that as far as they might be they're going through something similar to you and you can you can relate and know that you're not alone Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel as isolating knowing that yeah there's there's people around you kind of going through the same thing totally yeah I mean that's that's what this podcast is in Mm -hmm. a way right it's just a way to not have to feel alone and to hear what you know people are going through so that's amazing so I will link all that uh, in the show notes and stuff like that but yeah it's called say it again sorry relentlessly resilient there we go really oh my gosh I'm so bad with the (laughs) it's a tongue twister resilient (laughs) yes so thank you so much for making the time thank you for talking about it thank you for having me of course yeah 
I'm nice excited. to meet you. I'm very excited to to put this out. And um, if you stuck around to the end, thank you as always. Love ya. Yeah. I will see you in just a couple weeks for episode 11 on June 16th. August nights, the glamour of the campfire hold me tight and never let me go seven days till you head off to Berkshire and I Oh, so 